0: You are listening to Executive Chat, hosted by Clarice Arnold. This podcast will catch a glimpse at the lives and perspectives of some wonderful business leaders of today.
1: 50,000. That's the number of real estate professionals that are members of the North Carolina Realtors Association. Who facilitates the success of these professionals? Who manages the efforts they make to educate, grow, lobby, network, and thrive? This is no easy task. It takes a real professional leader. Who, you may ask? Well, you're about to find out. Hey there, friends. I'm Clarice Arnold, and you're tuning in to the Executive Chat, the podcast where a future executive interviews current executives, The goal here is to catch a glimpse at the perspectives, lives, and minds of the business leaders of today. Today, we have Andrea Bushnell, the CEO of the North Carolina Realtors Association,
0: joining us. How are you, Andrea? I'm great, Clarice. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Of course. You are a great business professional. We're so happy to have you on the show you are always looking out for your members and you harness the strength of the real estate profession into a trade association that champions the industry. So let's get into it. There's many proficiencies that the NC Realtors Association is involved in. Can you describe some of your main efforts there?
0: You bet. So our members are, as you said, um, over 50,000 members strong, located Mm -hmm. all across the state of North Carolina. And so they have really... uh, widely uh, varying needs. However, the ones that we try to focus on are political advocacy uh, to make sure that our members can operate in a safe um, and a business-friendly environment. Um, and the other piece is that we are always striving for their professional, um, uh, development. Uh, so we want to make sure that they are as well equipped to, to be serving the public as they can be. And so education is another really big part of what we do. So those are the two main things, but then of course we also do networking, um, and, uh, and, and we have legal services for them, legal hotline services and things like that. So there's a lot of services that go into what we do for our members, but, The number one and number two uh, are political advocacy, as I've said, as well as education for our members. Wow, that's so important,
1: the resources you provide for those realtors all across the state. You know, as you know, the North Carolina Association of Realtors also has a charitable organization that you oversee. Could you tell us about the philanthropy of your association?
0: Absolutely, um, it is really a huge part of what we do that we serve North Carolinians and consumers as well as our own members and so one of the ways we do that is through an organization the home um, uh, uh, homes free is what is uh, obviously sometimes called um, that's an acronym, uh, but really what they do is provide Resources to North Carolina, North Carolinians, excuse me, who are in need, particularly after natural disasters. So, for example, after a hurricane, the last a major hurricane that we had um, come through North Carolina, I think we distributed $850,000 as well as goods to over 800 families in North Carolina. So these were people who had lost everything. They didn't even have a cell phone. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have their homes. Many of them didn't have a place to sleep at night. And so doing this work and helping them through probably the most uh, critical and trying times of their lives is a huge part of what we do also as an organization. That's a huge achievement. Um, Now, Andrea, how many employees do you have? So, North Carolina Realtors currently, we currently have 42 employees. Um, Mm -hmm. So, across the spectrum, Um, uh, uh, many of them in our advocacy arena, but uh, many of them in communications and education and legal services and operations, just everything that you could imagine that is in a business. Um, A trade association has to have all of those things. Um, so we have to have our CFOs and we have to have, um, our accountants and we have to have our lawyers and we have to have our, uh, regulatory affairs professionals. So it's across the board. Wow. That's a very diverse team that you oversee. If you were to pick
1: a certain quality or qualities that you look for in your employees, what would that be?
0: So I love that question, Clarice, because um, the reality of it is, is that when I'm looking for a new employee, I'm looking for someone who is um, going to be creative, somebody who is not afraid to be dynamic, um, Mm -hmm. who is not afraid to share their opinions and participate in the organization, no matter what your position. In other words, I don't care if you are, um, I don't care if you're a receptionist or if you're a senior vice president, I want to know what you're thinking and I want to know what you are. Um, I want to know how you can contribute and how you would feel, um, best able to do that in, in the scope of everything that we do. So I'm really, I can teach anybody a job, you know, so I can teach you the technical aspects of what you need to do. Mm-hmm. But I need somebody who comes in with just really a big heart and great enthusiasm. So that's really what I'm looking for.
1: Let me tell you, as an extrovert and as someone who's interested in going into communications, that is so nice to hear from a business leader such as
0: yourself. It's really, really important. And um, and I guess, you know, part of it, it's so interesting that you would say that, that as an extrovert, that's good to hear because I am a classic introvert. And yet I need to surround myself by people who are not. (laughs) I mean, yeah, uh, you know, some of my employees are, um, uh, but they still know how to contribute in ways that are really, really meaningful to the organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, Andrea, I'd like to learn a little
0: bit more about you and your personal life. Where are you from? So I am a Montana girl. So I grew up in the mountains of Montana. Um, So I grew up... um, I don't know that I even really want to say this exactly, but I grew up a little wild. Um, (laughs) And not wild isn't in a bad way, but uh, I had a lot of freedom in my life. So when I was... 14, maybe 15 years old, I would go out on week-long backpacking trips by myself in the mon- in the mountains of Montana. And nobody thought anything about that. It, it didn't seem particularly dangerous to me because my parents had taught me how to um, survive in the mountains. They had taught me what to do if I ran into a bear or a rattlesnake or whatever it is.
1: Oh my um, goodness.
0: And so I grew up fiercely independent, I guess is the best way to put it. It's not wild, but fiercely independent. Um, And so it was a great place to start. It was a great, it was a wonderful place to grow up. It's
1: great that you mentioned that you're independent. Do you think that that had anything to do with um, where you are now or where you chose to go to school or what you chose to major
0: in? It had everything to do with that. Um, So, you know, I... I kind of defied um, what was considered um, an expectation of me. So, you know, I went away to school. Most of my classmates went to school in Montana. I chose to go to a music school outside of the state. Um, You know, I I chose to major in music performance. I, you know, um, and what was really great about it was that, while I ended up not being a professional musician, which was my ultimate and original goal, I still had the opportunity, and I was allowed the the flexibility to be able to choose that for myself, and then ultimately to not choose that for myself. Because once I got into it, uh, there were a whole bunch of reasons why I did didn't think that that's what I wanted my life to be. But you know, just being able to make that decision and be supported in that decision was huge. And the same went when I finally decided to go back to law school. You know, it was one of those things that it had always been in the back of my mind that I thought would be really fascinating. And, you know, just the fact that I was able to pursue that and be able to achieve that uh, was really not an easy task. And I will tell you, any any of your listeners who want to go to law school, I absolutely encourage you to do it. And I would do it again. But it is not easy. You know, there is nothing easy about it, and you have to be really focused and dedicated um, to get through it, as with any academic pursuit, I think.
1: I'd love to hear more about your journey as an attorney and how you got from being into a music school, wanting to be a music professional,
0: to an attorney, to where you are today. I know. I You know... I was thinking about this. I, I didn't take any direct paths to anything. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have always rather envied those people who knew from a very young age what they wanted to do and they went out and they did it and they succeeded and, and they never had doubts, right? Uh, mm-hmm. but that was never me. Um, and, uh, I had lots of interests and I was so curious about, uh, kind of the world and I was, and I was raised, I think, in a way that made me a very compassionate person. And so it was, um, I, so I had all of these kind of almost conflicting, but not quite influences in my life, um, that, that allowed me to kind of, um, explore. And I would say that while I do envy people who knew, have always known what they wanted to do and, and, and went out and did it and were successful, um, there's a whole world out there for people who want to explore and who want to try different things and to see where they best fit in this thing called our society and the world around us. Um, mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, it sometimes feels a little uh, less certain but uh, on the other hand you know i've had this like amazing life and i loved being a lawyer um i absolutely loved everything about it i loved the intellectual pursuit of it i was a litigator um i i loved the 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 preparation and the adrenaline that went into being in a courtroom and really fighting for something mm-hmm. i loved every part about that but at the same time, when I had an opportunity to move into a role as a senior executive for an organization, it seemed like the right right move at the time for me to make. I had uh, two really, really, really little kids at home. Um, in fact, yeah. I think one was 18 months old and I was pregnant with the second one when I made this transition. So oh, um, yeah, So, um, so it's been just a really... A wonderful experience. But I will tell you, did I ever think I was going to be the CEO of a trade association? It never crossed my mind. When I was in high school, I didn't even know that that profession existed. <laughs> you know, it just was, just didn't exist for me. And so just being able to experience it and be open to it, even though it was never part of a grand plan, um, it has been a really great life for me and it's, and it's uh, provided well for my family.
1: Absolutely. You've had a lot of varied experiences and a very varied career. Um, but I'm sure all of those strengthened you and helped you become the great leader you are today. Is there something maybe from law school or maybe from those experiences that you've really taken with you and that has helped you today? Perhaps maybe your independence?
0: Yeah, you know, I think uh, that's a really good question um, because I think throughout all of this, um, the one thing that um, has driven me is that I was never afraid. Um, mm-hmm. I was never afraid of failing. I was never afraid to make a different decision if one decision really um, was not right. Now, that does not mean that I gave up easily. I mean, it was a heartbreaking decision for me to decide not to be a professional cellist, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's what I had always thought I wanted. And so to make the decision to not do that um, was both heartbreaking, but also took a lot of courage um, to to not be afraid of what was going to come next and that there would be something that was next for me. Um, So I think more than anything, it was a sense of, um, what my parents instilled in me. Um, I will never forget my father telling me there is nothing you cannot do. You just have to make up your mind what it is. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I always had that, uh, support, uh, from, from my family that no matter what it was that I decided to do, or no matter what it was that I decided to not do when the time was right, um, that it would be okay. And so, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I would encourage you all, all you and all of your listeners to go forth and, and, and be brave. Um, it will work out. <laughs> it will, even if it doesn't seem so like it at the time. <laughs> That's a really good piece of
1: advice. Thank you for giving that. I feel like a lot of people struggle with the fear of failure and to know that it came so easy to you not to. But I mean, it's so important. It's so important.
0: And I'm definitely going to have to work on overcoming my fear of failure for sure. Every failure makes you better. It does. absolutely. Yes. It, it makes you stronger and you learn from whatever, whatever it was that caused that failure. You, if, as long as you can look at it and say, I'm really sad that this happened. I'm really sad that this didn't work, but what did I learn why didn't it work? What can I take forward with me to make sure that the next step might make is, is better and I'm stronger for it. Um, now did that come easily to me at 16, 17, 18 years old? It did not. You know, it took a mm-hmm. lot of years to actually get to that point where I could, um, be at peace with all of that. I yeah. was always brave enough to take the step, but, but being at peace, especially with failures, uh, was something I had to work at, Clarice. It didn't, you know, it wasn't something that was just like, oh, I failed. Okay, well, that was nice. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was never like that. Um, But I am absolutely at peace now with every failure that I've had in my life.
1: Well, as a teenager, it's very comforting to hear that that was something that you did struggle with, like a lot of other people, especially around my age, but you did eventually overcome. Yes. It's very
0: comforting to hear. Yeah, Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, you know, it it is part of, you know, keeping always in the forefront. You know, I was lucky because I always had my family to support me. Um, and so I was really lucky and I understand how lucky I was that no matter what I did or didn't do, it was going to be okay. And I do understand that not everyone is as lucky as I was, um, to have that, but, but if if it's not your family, hopefully there is another group of people who are are supportive, whether it's friends or distant relatives or whatever it is, who can help buoy you when you need it. You obviously
1: have a high respect for your family, especially your father, who you quoted earlier. Do you have any other mentors or role models in your life? I, I do.
0: Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple. Um, First and foremost, um, I have to tell you that my grandmothers were amazing on both sides of my family. Um, so my father's mother, so my grandmother, paternal grandmother, um, left a very bad marriage when she had nine little kids and, oh, wow. um, moved her family from, from, uh, South Dakota to Oregon, where she opened a bakery and supported herself and her children And, um, you know, that was in like 1922 or something. I mean, it was when women did not leave their abusive husbands, no matter how abusive the situation was, but she did and she made it work. And so I had that on one side. And then on the other side, um, my grandmother on my other side, my maternal grandmother, um, uh, didn't even graduate from high school before she got married and yet she was a very successful uh realtor in the state of Iowa one of the first women and ended up uh starting from nothing and um by the time she passed away at the age of 1 not- one day before her 102nd birthday uh you know she wow. left the world a better place and um and and quite wealthy actually and so I had these two amazing role models for as grandmothers, and then of course I would be remiss not to say that my mother is the one who kept me going. You know, she kept me going. Uh, you know, I, you asked uh, uh, at one point, kind of, uh, was there any kind of one thing, um, uh, or piece of advice, or something that I would um, that I would remember? And I can tell you that when I was um, working, uh, as a professional, as a lawyer, um, and then as a CEO. And I had these two little bitty kids and I had two stepdaughters who were in their, uh, you know, 11, 12, 13 year old age range. And so I had all of these competing things coming at me and I would say, I've just got to quit. I just can't do this. And my mother would say, take a vacation. You're fine. Um, just don't <laughs> give up, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. so my mom kept me going. As Such well.
1: strong women. Independence yes. obviously runs in your family. Yes. Um, now that we're on the topic of women, I want to know, um, as a woman, did you find that your experiences, whether in school or your career, just in life in general, were different or challenging?
0: I will tell you that I have always felt for my entire life, and I do hope this is changing and I do think it is changing, but I have always felt my entire life that I always had to perform better. I had to be better, um, than my male counterparts. And that is not in any way to diminish their abilities or their, or, or Mm -hmm. their individual, um, uh, um, talents or anything else. It's just that I always felt like I had more to prove, Um, and I think that that is starting to diminish. Um, I certainly, I have two sons who are in their early twenties and I certainly raised them to think differently about women. (laughs) Let me just put that right out there. And so I'm hoping that I am not alone, that there are a lot of moms like me who (laughs) raised their sons to truly look at women as absolute equals. If, if, if not more than equals, but I will tell you also, it was tougher, uh, And it hasn't been that long ago. My kids, like I said, are in their early 20s. And yet when I was pregnant with them, I can tell you that I took two weeks with each of them for maternity leave. That doesn't Mm -hmm. happen anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, women get to take the time they need uh, for the most part to be with their babies and to... just two weeks. Yes, two weeks. But that was the expectation if I wanted to keep my job. Mm. Was that I would go, I would have this baby and I would be back in two weeks. And so it was just like, oh, here, go off and have your, your little vacation and then come right back and be ready to work. Um, so, um, that was hard. That was really, really hard. And I'm so thankful, uh, today that that, at least in my organization, uh, would never happen. You know, absolutely.
1: I, you have seen the workplace change. When it comes to its climate with women back then and women today, and one of those things is maternity leave. I did not know that. That's very interesting. Um, How else would you say that the workplace has changed for women today?
0: You know, I think for women, um, it, it, there are more opportunities. When you look at when I was in law school, uh, women were still a minority. Now, if you look at law schools today or medical schools, um, I think you'll find that, uh, women are at least 50% or more of the, of the, of the student body mm-hmm. and, uh, of uh, most of the professional schools. And so, um, it, The world has opened up. Uh, There are so many, and there is still a long way to go. Clarice, um, women now sit on boards, and there's some movement. For example, in the state of California, that all publicly held companies have to have a certain percentage of um, board members who are women on their boards, Mm -hmm. and so uh, there there is change coming. Uh, And I'm so pleased, you know, that there are opportunities for um, women to, uh, be CEOs, um, of much larger organizations than mine. And mine is a pretty big, uh, organization, but, but much larger. Um, and you know, at, at one time that wasn't really a possibility. Um, you would see women in roles, for example, in human resources, maybe mm-hmm. if you were lucky in a legal field, uh, but you weren't seeing it, um, in other areas of of business. And today I have uh, two uh, males who are of the, of my department heads and the rest are, are women uh, who are vice presidents of the organization. And so I do think, and I don't think that I'm alone. I I think I'm seeing that change all across the board. Um, So just the opportunity to grow and to, um, advance in your career in a place and a way that you want to advance is um, gotten so much better than it used to be. That is
1: so important. And it's such a great thing for me as a future woman in the workplace to hear. Um, two questions that I definitely want to ask you, Andrea, are uh, please remind us how long you've been working with NC Realtors. And please tell us, What are you most proud of in your career? Okay,
0: Um, so I have been with the North Carolina Realtors for 10 and a half years um, as CEO. Um, But before that, I spent 15 years in Oregon, first as general counsel for the Oregon Realtors, and then, um, let's see, two years as general counsel and 13 years as their CEO. So I've been doing this for a really long time now, (laughs) a really long time. And, and what was the second part? Oh, what am I most proud of? You know, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that I uh, have always been able to persevere and it, not everything has, has come easily. And when I left Oregon, it was time for me to leave, but it was under really unpleasant circumstances. And uh, just the fact that I could take that experience and say, you know what, I still have a lot to offer this industry. I'm going to go off, out and offer it someplace else. And I did. And that's when I came to North Carolina where I've had a really successful and supported uh, career here. And so just um, I think I'm most proud of the fact that I didn't give up. I never gave up. That's so important. Um, Andrea, we're about to close.
1: I want to ask you one more question. This is such a big one. Earlier, you told us that your father and your family, for that matter, you've had such great role models, especially the women in your family as well as your father, um, when it comes to supporting you and what you want to do. If you could say a piece of advice maybe that's resonated with you that you could give to young people starting out today in business, what would you
0: tell them? I would say don't be afraid to be bold. Mm -hmm. Um, and this isn't just, you know, follow your dreams, which I do absolutely agree with that too, but this is about not being, um, uh, this is more about opening yourself up and allowing, um, allowing, um, yourself to contribute and not be fearful. That you don't have enough to offer or that you're too young or because i am telling you there is no such thing as being too young when it comes to having good ideas Mm. and if an idea gets shot down an idea gets shot down what's your next idea you know um but 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 be open um also to possibilities and walk through doors when when they open for you Um, if I hadn't been open to being the CEO, if I had said, no, I'm a lawyer, that's what I do. I never would have had kind of a really wonderful career that I've had. Um, and so be brave, be bold, share your opinions, because I learn every day, probably more from, um, young people in my life, employees, as well as my own children than anybody else. And, um, I just, I think that you all at your age bring such a wonderful perspective to the world. And, um, you, you have so much to offer. And so you should, um, you should, you should offer it and, and be open with it because people like me, I want to hear from you and I want to know what you're thinking and what's on your mind because it might change my mind about something. Um, that I've been stuck on, right? <laughs> or uh, change uh, uh, an attitude that maybe I have because of age and experience. So, uh, you know, my advice to, to you and to your listeners is to um, be open to sharing your experiences and your ideas.
1: Such a strong message. Thank you so much, Ms. Bushnell. Once again, that was Andrea Bushnell, the CEO of the North Carolina Association of Realtors, a powerful leader who protects home ownership rights and inspires realtors everywhere. I'm Clarice Arnold, and you just turned in to the Executive Chat.
0: You have been listening to Executive Chat with your host, Clarice Arnold.